I've I've got a surprise for you guys. What's that? There's uh there's ten teens right here in my basement, and they all think you guys both suck. Oh no! <laughs> They're all laughing at you right now. They all they all keep talking. They all keep talking about how the girls say we smell funny. Do they do they just roast our podcast on TikTok or whatever? <laughs> there's a whole new TikTok dance called uh, the Duff. <laughs> And, and, it, and it's just someone it's just someone pointing to their doo-doo ass. <laughs> it's, just, it's just an adult having a nightmare again. And there's some and then there's like some some song that just sounds alien to our old ears. The the, the duff is on TikTok is someone thrashing in bed and screaming. Listeners, welcome to a new episode of a free podcast. I'm your co-host Rob, joined as always by my gangster friends, <laughs> Joe and Duff. Uh, you really leaned into the R on it, so it wasn't even gangsta; it was gangster. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. We are um, the, we are the boys in the basement. <laughs> um, Literally, I think all three of us, right? I put in my pacifier in my mouth for this episode. Okay, the pacifier guy, why did any, like, someone should have said something to him. Well, that was just like a, that was like a thing. That should never have been a thing. What? Think of all the dumb things that are things for fashion. You know, like, everything looks dumb when it's not fashionable anymore. Well, we'll get, we'll get into it, but I wasn't sure, like, is it like a tick? Like, did he have an oral fixation? He's like, I'll just use a pacifier forever. It's a take. Like yeah, I, it's I feel like, like I it, remember that being a, a thing in the early '90s. I, maybe I'm, but maybe maybe it was because of this movie. I, I thought it was. I like don't a, remember a anything else that is exclusively used by babies that adults used fashionably. Anyway, <laughs> listeners, if you haven't seen this or have forgotten, there is a, a minor character who just the entire movie has a pacifier in his mouth. And it's never really explained why. I, I, well, he kind of he kind of rocks it the same way Steph Curry rocks his mouth guard. And he also, kinda, like that, he chews on it in the corner of his mouth. You know, who, and that you know, character that character is sort of like dunked on for being immature, and his name is Dookie. So yeah, I, it fits I guess, his character. You that's know what who, that he's uh, that's what Green Day named their album after that character you, actually. Uh, all right, well, let's, let's, let's let our listeners know what we're even doing here. We're talking about the movie Boys in the Hood, okay? We're continuing our season on how to be a dad. And as Joe has um, uh, already mentioned, we're kind of moving up with age. Um, you know, so we started with, uh, with three men and a baby, parenthood, and now we're at Boys in the Hood. And it's time to tackle the teenage years. Tough. Tough. Um, so, Especially if you're... Uh, black in uh, South Central LA. Yeah, in 1991. I mean, so I, I, I first of all, I want to talk about this movie because I, I really like it. A, B, I, I don't want our season to just be like exclusively white, upper middle class dadhood. So we have, if you haven't seen Boys in Hood, it's it's great. You should see it. I, I think I'm going to be. I, I want to just kind of say this out. I like this movie quite a bit. For those who care about. How I rate a movie, I'd give this four out of five stars. But I feel like I'm going to be a little negative about it when we talk about it today. And I don't. I just want to like point out initially, like, I do really like this movie. 
Well, you could take Rob out of Spooner, but you can't take the Spooner out of Rob. <laughs> That's not my issues I have with this movie. Uh, okay, so um, the movie starts out uh, in 1984, and we're kind of following these kids when they're, they're like 10 years old. Um, and eventually the main character we follow uh, named Trey uh, – gets in trouble at school and his mom essentially sends him to go live with his dad and he moves into uh, the neighborhood where his dad lives. That's kind of like the setup for the first one. I think he starts out in Inglewood and then he moves to Crenshaw, I believe. Yeah. Um, so then we kind of fast forward uh, eight years later into 91 and there's movie kind of like there's less of a I would argue there's less of like a plot that drives this movie as much as like scenes from scenes of these boys in the hood. Like we just it's a of... it's a slice of life movie, and, and it's a coming of age movie. That's um, yeah, it's it's kind of like it, it's an interesting. I think that um, it's it's got kind of I I don't it's so super lazy to compare Singleton and Spike Lee. But I, I think Singleton does kind of some of his directorial choices, I think, are like the way he uses zooms and stuff reminded me of Spike Lee. But I think that this is like a much more like it's it's kind of like exploring a couple different families in one neighborhood. Like it's a much more focused um, neighborhood story. I don't want to say it's anything like um, Do the Right Thing, which is significantly more expansive and also only takes place in what, one day. Yeah, yeah, but and, but and it, it's similar thing. in that it's just it, I I think it does a good job of sort of capturing the sort of vibes and interplay of one block and a couple of different families on that. And also, even people you only see on screen for a few minutes just feel lived in. They feel mm-hmm. you know they're characters that yeah you know I mean we made fun of a pacifier guy, but like even him in this movie, like he feel he feels like. You know, he's like, oh, I knew a weirdo kind of like that. You know, it's, yeah, they feel it's like some... people yeah. in this movie. And it's uh, funny. Um, you mentioned uh, Do the Right Thing. Um, pretty much the reason this movie was greenlit was, I believe, because they wanted to capture some of that Do the Right Thing magic. Like this this, and kind of like that whole early 90s uh, mainstream black filmmaker movement was uh, obviously because of Spike Lee. Um you know, you had the the Hughes brothers. You had uh, uh, I can't now. I forgot the other person, the other big one. Um, who did New Jack City? Who did New Jack City? It wasn't Mario Van Peebles, was it? Yeah, I think it was. It was Van Peebles. Okay. Yeah. And then um, along with this, you had like the the Friday movies and things like that. And you know, I don't want to say it's all because of Spike Lee, but he was Spike Lee and his success. You know, when studios see something that makes money, they'll put money towards other things. Yeah, I mean, and also, like, you know, 1990, this movie came out in 91. Uh, 91. 91, yeah. Uh, I mean, there's not a lot of black cinema that's hitting mainstream cineplexes outside of Spike Lee and then and then no. Boys in the Hood. And then, as you said, Duff, you have a bit of an ex- explosion would be a fast and loose of that term. But you start to have more, uh, you know, movies like this that come out. Movies that were, like not a blockbuster but a big deal like i you know even we were too young to see us in the theater but like i remember boys in the hood being kind of a cultural yeah you know like a sure absolutely a phenomenon i remember like new jack city being a thing like i seen commercials for it and it, like all these movies they were the type of movies that did reasonably well at the box office and you know prior to that like 
you know, name name a movie from the '80s directed by a black man who has That's not Spike Lee. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's yeah, absolutely. Um, I mean, you can come up with indie stuff, but major studios, like I, I can't think of one off the top of my head. No, no, even like. Uh, you know, like Friday. That's that's four years after Boys in the Hood. Yeah, um, yeah. I mean, it, it's it's and it's remarkable. I mean, we're gonna get into the production of it, but John Singleton wrote and directed this. The dude was twenty three. It's incredible. Which yeah, debut. Pretty awesome in- debut. Very confident. Very self assured. Like this is one of the the debuts I think in cinema history. Oh yeah, it's great. And also, he kind of did the the Stallone thing, like Stallone did with Rocky, where he wrote it and he's like, "No, I'm gonna direct this." without like any cards to play you know where it's just he's like nope i get to direct this or i'm not i'm not giving it away because you know rightfully so he can he's like if i give this you know if i sell this script for a bunch of money they're gonna give it i think the quote is literally they're gonna give it to some dude from encino or something like that (laughs) yeah yeah for sure (laughs) and and uh what makes this movie work so well is how you have all these stars in this movie that aren't stars when this movie was made, right? Like Cuba Gooding Jr., Angela Bassett, Lawrence Fishburne. Um, Ice Cube obviously was a big-time rapper at that point, but not an actor. Morse Chestnut ends up having a good career. Nia Long, like it, it, Regina King, I don't even know. She's got a small part, but she's yeah. like, like all these people that had, I mean, careers that are still going now in 2021 that for the most part got their start on this is remarkable. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so plot-wise, I'm gonna because it's kind of tough. You know, the other movie you could c- compare it to in some ways is Stand by Me a little bit, um, except like Stand by Me is definitely more I would say plot-driven. Where this is like scenes, slice of life, or sort of following along these different characters. Both involve um, a group of kids going to see a dead body. Absolutely. <laughs> yep. Yeah. But mostly, what I want to talk about is Cuba Gooding Jr.'s character Trey. Uh, he grows up with his father, um, Furious, Furious Styles, played by Lawrence Fishburne, who I'm sure we'll talk about a lot. Uh, his mom is played by Angela Bassett. She sends him off to live with uh, Furious, which is like a weird, uh, it's sort of weird a little bit because like it's not entirely clear why that is, and it makes well, she, think- she 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 tells him like you already always said it takes a man to teach, or or it takes a father to teach to teach someone. I think she says that in the car with him when he drops she drops him off like it takes but, a father to teach someone how to be a man or some something like that it works out i mean furious and i'm sure we'll dive into it is awesome uh great dad which you wouldn't know as the setup happens because it's sort of like he's not the way the movie kind of plays out he seems like he's not in the picture at all and it's like punishment to go live with his dad um and uh so i don't entirely know like what Furious did the first eleven years of Trey's life, necessarily. Uh, I want to. I want to speak up about something. So the inciting incident is he gets out in a fight in the classroom. Uh, and so and so uh, we see Trey. He's he's a pretty successful, good kid. Eight, you know, seventeen, eighteen years old. He's, uh, dude, his shirt when oh. when Cuba Gooding Jr. first appeared. It's like at a backyard barbecue. Yeah, man, the '90s were wild, man. Every, that yellow every shirt with the black circle. Every shirt w- could double as like a nightgown. Uh, like, <laughs> yeah. like just men's menswear in the '90s. It, boy, was it bad. Everyone always and, like kind of makes fun of like '70s and '80s fashion. We're sleeping on the '90s, man. Oh, Everything is so baggy. It's so, so funny, big. especially when you get into the suits and you're like, oh, "What are we God. doing here?" Come on, and, guys. 
and in terms of design they all look like those kind of like when rich people think they know about art and they just buy something with simple geometric shapes <laughs> mm-hmm. i think they go to well you go to dan flashers and you get yeah <laughs> flashes <laughs> um uh, this, order, this would not be a Dan Flasher shirt. This is not. I won't. Don't want to. It's not complicated. This it wasn't subtle. that expensive, but it it's weird looking. Yeah. There's yeah. a weird circle on it. I don't get it. It's like two two contrasting colors and then a circle of one of the colors on a side or something like that. It's, Even if you haven't seen the movie, you've probably seen the shirt because I think it's on the cover of the. Yeah. It's on the cover you, of the VHS tape. Anyone who remembers the early '90s or watched like Fresh Prince of Bel Air knows what we're talking about. It's Absolutely. that it's that style. Um, the other the other two characters I want to talk about is so I so um Cupid Engineer's character Trey, um, outside of the events that we'll get to in a minute, his big thing is he just really wants to have sex. It's yeah. Cuba Nutting Junior. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Which I mean would, is weird because in real life he's such a chaste and well mannered man who treats women wonderfully. But yeah, so he's that that's sort of like, you know, that's sort of his his thing. We have his best friend um, played by Morris Chestnut, Ricky, who wants to become a football player and looks like he's on his way to getting a scholarship at college. He takes the SAT test, um, and uh, you know, it looks like things are going to turn out for him. I mean, he's he's like. big time. Like USC is going after him. Oh yeah. yeah. And then we have his um, half brother, uh, Doughboy, played by Ice Cube. Oh, sort of like what a tr- the, like what a performance by Ice Cube in this movie. Poor Doughboy. This yeah, <laughs> means well, and not really given a chance to to you know be Do- successful or or, or anything. Uh, Doughboy is just obvi- like not even subtly like flat out the lesser child in his mom's eyes. Oh yeah, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, um, and this all things all go go bad because um, some other kids in the neighborhood. Uh, there's a little a little dispute that happens at uh, what looks like a drag race of some sort. <laughs> I love how you describe a little dispute that ends up with an Uzi being fired into the air. Well, to be fair, the initial thing yeah, was the, well, a little a, that's, dispute. That's, yeah. a, that's a a very universal like like male teen like thing. Someone bumps into you and. The peacock feathers get raised, and yeah. then he and yeah. then he disrespected someone's woman. Can't yeah, do that. yeah, that's uh, both sides probably could have again. This well, could have been de-escalated. It could have it could have been de-escalated, but then the other guys went to the trunk of their car and got their Uzi. <laughs> yep. So that that goes back and forth, and then sadly, like the you know, I mean, this movie's old enough. I think we can give the pretty big spoiler. I think I think thirty <laughs> years is okay for a spoiler. But uh, uh, Ricky and, and, and Trey go to pick up some stuff from the grocery store, and these guys come back and pretty much, like, chase after them in their cars and shoot and kill Ricky. Yeah. Um, oh. And we also find out that um, he did get a good enough score in the SAT. So, I mean, he had a scholarship to USC. Um, and then we talk about Doughboy, the Ice Cube character, like, one of the saddest parts is, I mean, it's already sad at this point. I mean, Ricky's dead, and they bring him into the house, and everyone's reacting to it. But is when um, the mom essentially blames Doughboy for all of this and doesn't believe him when he's like, I didn't do anything. To me, in some ways, that's the saddest part of the It is sad movie. because... It's, yeah, it's heartbreaking. Because, I mean, not that he deserved anything that happened, but, like, Ricky did incite the incident as stupid as it was it was nothing to do with doughboy 
Yeah, I mean, it's just, yeah. I so, mean, it's it's all, and that's somewhat the point of this, is just, it's it's just pointless violence for yeah. for no reason besides socioeconomic circumstance. You know, much like Sam, I mean, the movie ends with, like, text about, like, what happened to the different characters. Um, you know, it works out for Trey and his girlfriend, Brandy. It doesn't work out for anyone else, really. Um, no. So, it's, I mean, you know... For this movie, we were kind of talking about, like, what Hollywood looked like. Uh, this movie to come out and be, like, a hit and get awesome. like Also, like, this is just one of the things about any art form, and especially cinema, in my mind, is, like, being able to take you into a world you know nothing about and in, like, two hours kind of give you an idea. And I think that's... I guess that's a simple thing to say, but in a lot of ways, my favorite thing about cinema, where you're like, wow. Well, it's, it's a, like Ebert said, it's an empathy building machine. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's exactly it. So um, that's the movie. I mean, it's, 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 a, it's a great movie. And, and if you haven't seen it. I mean, this movie was, a, for all intents and purposes, a pretty big success. I think Singleton got two Oscar noms for it. So, but at the same time i feel like this was even like a year or two too early because of like when you think about this movie came out before the la riots yeah in fact uh i think the scene one of the scenes when i see the dead body is at the place where rodney king would be beaten up at oh really but not till a year later so it's you know there was in terms of like kind of i'll say like i'll call it like a south central pop culture in the 90s and a lot of that is gangster rap like this just missed it something i thought about is like how much bigger would this movie have been if it came out in say just 1993 after you know like the chronic and snoop dogg came out and you know like white suburban kids were like oh south central and compton and all that well i don't i don't know because like on the other hand like nwa had sort of like broken that down too right yeah a few but years before i don't think that it had gotten it hadn't quite permeated yet like i think i mean it had somewhat you're you're not wrong about that but i maybe it's just that we were old enough to remember like the dr dre snoop dog like that kind of and the whole like east west coast rap feud thing like maybe it's because we were young we're old enough to remember that and not so much nwa but and also this is a very nerdy uh duff topic but i think you also have in between when straight out of compton came out with nwa and you have um snoop and dre and tupac and stuff is you have SoundScan changing how they how they um counted record sales and one of the things we learned is that uh, oddly enough, country music and rap were like two genres that were entirely ignored and miscounted for years before they digitally started doing it. Well, and yeah, that's part of it is that um, I think that's maybe what I was thinking of when I said that this was a year too early, because as this isn't unique to like hip hop or black culture or anything, but when when people figure out how to make money, they don't care what color you are. And like yeah. it, when you know, but SoundScan was a big part of that. And in the like early to mid nineties, like when rap music just really exploded and kind of took over as the, like to this day is, you know, the predominant pop youth, music. Yeah. Is the predominant youth music. Like, yeah, I just feel like this was almost like too early by just a little bit. So I don't know. Yeah. I, I, you're probably right now that, 
we kind of put it in that context probably like two years too early. Um, I mean, I don't know about too early. I just think it would be, I feel like it would have been even bigger if it was like a year or two later. Yeah. Yeah. The, 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 I said earlier how I'm going to sound negative on this. The only, the reason I say that is I saw this movie 20 years ago and it was great. Joe, I believe I borrowed your, I think you had it on VHS or DVD and I watched it when we were roommates in college. Hope, hope it was a flipper disc. Um, but, um, and when you see this movie, especially when you're young, especially like it, it's it's pretty mind blowing because you don't know, at least for me, like as I mentioned, the empathy machine, you just aren't aware of all this. Rewatching it as a 38 year old, there is a lot of like, there's a lot of like kind of clumsy ish after school special stuff to it that I know, like I see the seams of a lot more than I did 20 years ago. I think some of it, and I think especially Spike Lee does this and a lot of the time is all of a sudden it'll sound like characters are reading a newspaper article instead of yeah being... which we have when Furious talks about gentrification and stuff and you're like mm, yeah okay I mean it's yeah I don't it's not a deal breaker by <laughs> but, any but, means, but, but but for but for a mainstream movie to be addressing that is is pretty oh, radical yeah. I mean uh, yeah and absolutely like and also like addressing that in 1991 uh is a lot more uh, eye-opening than saying that same thing 30 years later even though it's still true i think think like there's a better understanding f- from people about stuff than there was 30 years ago maybe i'm wrong yeah so with that said joe talk to me about furious well i, I was gonna just mention I, I don't know that we really need to dig into it but the we've talked a lot about the movie itself and, and some of the production stuff we didn't really talk too much about the release of it but if you want to see some stories about good old-fashioned American racism, oh. you should look into all the pan- panic uh, that ensued after this movie was released wide in theaters. I-, I think, if I recall correctly, The Ringer did a story about it. Yeah, it's called uh, Once Upon a Time in L.A., Revisiting the Ridiculous Fear of Boys in the Hood. So if anyone wants to learn more about it, it was written uh, last year. I- I'm guessing it's along the lines of how... Uh, people were afraid that audiences, black audiences, would riot at "Do the Right Thing." Like it that was a li- similar to that. It's pretty much yeah, exactly the same. Uh, there was some some violence at some screenings, um, but obviously blaming. But if you're saying that this movie is going to make people violent, you are uh, an empty school brain dead moron. You I mean, yeah, I, absolutely. Like nothing about this movie is like you know it's cool shooting it literally says increase the peace at at the end yeah Um, yeah but you know as this uh in in this story there's a few quotes from cops saying some pretty racist stuff about this movie and um you know i i all they're doing is proving the depiction of cops in this movie correct (laughs) i mean you can't you can't have a fit about boys in the hood and also have gone and seen rambo uh part two yeah. Theater. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's pretty stupid, man. <laughs> Not even minutes. Like, how many total seconds of violence are in this movie? Like, four. None of it is cool. None of the violence is cool. Yeah, it's it's crazy. And like, like Singleton, I I don't remember exactly what he said, but something along the lines of like, the whole point of this movie is showing the material conditions that produce this kinds of violence in these neighborhoods. And then now, you know, some like there, some violence is popping up from, you know, 
people at these mo- like like it, the the point of the movie is that these conditions are, produce violence. This yeah. movie itself is not producing violence. It is trying to show people like what it is like, why this is happening, uh, and then to then so, turn around and say like this violence is happening because of this movie. It's just I mean, obviously it's just idiotic. And, and a lot of this movie, I actually think a, a great care in this movie goes into, um, especially in our, our leads, the homes that these leads live in are are nice homes w- with like. Like, it, like inside the home, it's like nice and safe, and like you know, loving, and everything's good. The problem is there's all the stuff on the streets that you you know you can't just shut your door and ignore. I mean, there's God the yeah. the first day that Trey stays at his dad's house, like someone tries to like break into the house and his dad like shoots at him, like day one. Yeah. yeah. Um, um. Yeah. It's. I'm think I'm trying to think of like all the violence that's actually in this movie you've like a 30 second like slap fight with doughboy and his brother on the lawn Mm -hmm. and then obviously you have ricky being shot and the three uh the other people being shot but like that's it also what was the number one movie of the year that of that year guys was it terminator 2 yeah yeah (laughs) which also makes cops look great yeah. <laughs> Actually, that's interesting. That two two of the bigger movies of 1991 were were pretty critical of the LAPD because they, I mean James Cameron like explicitly has said like that's yeah. why he made the T1000 a cop was as a critique of of the LAPD. Big well, cab energy in 1991 yeah, box yeah. office. Don't worry, don't worry. The LAPD would 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 not prove that to be true at all that same year so yeah, yeah if you think about that story that came out what was that earlier this year about police gangs it's like yeah if anyone would know about gangs it'd be the lapd because many of them are in one mm-hmm. <laughs> all right well so yeah to get into the i guess the the point of the season is talking dads and and i know that uh everyone i've ever talked to about this movie is universal in their praise of, of furious and mm-hmm. and really like I you know this week thinking a lot about this movie and thinking about a question we're going to come up to later, uh, he really is one of the great movie dads, uh, and and I I thought we could t- zero in on two things about fatherhood, that's tough and to varying degrees depending on your personality perhaps even scary, one talking sex. Mm, How are you going to yeah, talk, talk to your kids about sex? Rubbers. Yeah, you know, Furious, he's he he's given his kid rubbers. He's he's given them the straight dope, I think we would all While would they're agree. fishing, like tip, like Norman Rockwell-esque father-dad behavior. And he's just, You're he, right. <laughs> he just, you know, just like, what do you know about sex? Does, just boom. Right that's, I, I mean, easy for me to say because I haven't had to do it yet. But that seems like the way to do it. Just drop it. Yep. You know? I remember... I uh, this this probably says a lot. I remember being in college. <laughs> yeah, well, <laughs> and you learned about sex. <laughs> Freshman year in college, and uh, uh, as you guys know, I had I had a girlfriend, and um, I came home, you know, for the weekend or Thanksgiving. I don't know. And I remember, like, honest to God, guys, that was the first time. That was the first time, in all sincerity, that either of my parents had like wanted like talk to me about sex for my mom was and i remember that conversation like i could tell this was way harder and weirder for her than it was for me to like yeah. be like 
so you know you can get like condoms and stuff and you know and i was like yes mom i know it's like okay well and you can just like and i'm like yes i know how to get them thank you but no furious just does it uh right there right while fishing like you know he's it's like you know, the first summer his kid is staying with him full time and he just busts out the question. I, I think that overall, I not a hot take, but Furious, awesome dad. And mm-hmm. he's, you know, Furious has his, his three rules, but Furious also, like these aren't part of his rules for life, but Furious drops some, some pretty great rules that'll get you far. Number one, clean the toilet. Yeah. Uh, number two, Use a rubber. Mm-hmm. Number three, don't join the army. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean those those right there, like that covers. But to a be lot fair, of those th- weren't the three rules. Those no, are just I'm, other things. I'm, he I'm, tells like you. Yeah. his his actual three rules were a little more. Always look a person in the eye. Yeah. Don't be afraid to ask your father for anything, and don't respect anyone who doesn't respect you. Were his three rules. So th- those yeah. are good, but those are more general. Like he gave yeah. three really good concrete examples there yeah think about look we're setting a low (laughs) setting a low bar but we're podcasters but you know think of just starting from nothing clean the bathroom use a rubber don't join the army you already gotta step up in life it's gonna keep you out of a lot of trouble and it's gonna make people when they visit you think like oh they've got they've got their uh their life put together. They got a clean bathroom. And, and people will see your clean bathroom. Be like, oh, it's a really clean bathroom. Are you in the army or something? He goes, no, my dad <laughs> just taught me that. <laughs> nope. I didn't need, I didn't, didn't need to go uh, join our, our empire building killing machine <coughs> that loses all the time. Uh, my dad just told me to clean the toilet. Yeah. <laughs> Which uh, I, I, so I wanted, yeah, I'm sorry. Go ahead, Rob. No, go ahead, Joe. I'm sorry. Well, let's, let's, let's try to tackle this piece by piece. Let's, let's, Let's put a pin. Let, let, let's address the sex stuff, Rob. You, you like to, you like to what do, do like a little. Do? You like to do a little research. Uh huh. When, when are you supposed to have that sex talk? Like, oh man. Like what age I, these days? You know, you know how the kids are doing the. But doesn't it depend on the kid? Like well, old, I mean, like... you, when, when when do you need to have your your radar tower start spinning? Well, so in defense of my mother. Um, you no, I'm say, not. I don't mean. I didn't. No, mean no. That I know. A, I know. This is answering your question. Though. In defense of my mother, freshman year in college, you would say, "Listen, that's probably too late to be having a conversation <laughs> yeah, with your yeah, son." Yeah. That said, when your son is Rob, me, <laughs> and and you just was, watch his life and the people he's around, you're not concerned <laughs> that, yeah. that in, kid's in, out in there your, having sex. In your parents' defense, that that was about the right time. <laughs> yeah. It, for you, was. what what was the website you were chatting with people on? Oh man, in high oh, school, Talk City, Talks, Talks. <laughs> Rob, uh, maybe that we was should, well uh, before uh, then. Uh, may- maybe we should have that talk with Rob tonight. He is getting close to high school. Then, 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 then your mom walked upstairs. I don't know. I guess I don't know if your bedroom was upstairs. What it are you was. doing in there, Rob? Oh, I, I'm I'm ch- I'm chatting on Talk City. Turned right around. Well, we don't need to worry about this anytime soon. <laughs> I mean, yeah, the, the biggest argument in our house in high school was, Rob, can you get off the internet so I can make a phone call? <laughs> Talk City sounds like when when a movie or TV show doesn't want to actually have to go through the trouble of clearing it with Google, so they make up a search engine. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it does. Yeah, it does. Uh, yeah, so that's, uh, but 
I think I think I think Duff's answer is right, right? Like you kind of got to. It just depends on the kid, and you. And in theory, you should be in touch with what your child's doing, to some extent, to be able to. When you're at the point where you're like, oh boy, I might have to talk about. It. Like, trust me, I had friends that uh, hopefully their parents had that conversation much earlier than mine did with me. Yeah. Um, because they were cool and good looking. I mean, you got it. You got to be thinking like like fifth or sixth grade, right? I mean, it depends on your child's confidence, really. I think. Well, I mean, you still got <laughs> like, it's not. But but, but I I don't really. I actually now that I'm thinking about it more, and I've never really had to think about this much. Like you, you got think about all like the insane stuff like our peers told us about sex and puberty and stuff. That well, was just the, flat the out ski? wrong. That was just flat out wrong. Yeah. Like maybe like regardless of how nerdy uh, and uh, <laughs> socially awkward your kid is. You should probably still have it when they're like a year or two away from puberty, just so they so their brain doesn't get filled in with like anxiety producing nonsense. That's not true. That's true. Yeah, because I think you're right. You're right. Things have changed because there's there's two things. One thing we didn't really have to deal with as much as kids now, and one that you still do is a just misinformation of what your peers tell you which is insane well, and we, I mean, hilarious yeah. are you saying we didn't have to deal with that no we did oh yeah the, yeah, the yeah. one that the one that we didn't have necessarily quite the same is just like the internet uh pornography everywhere <laughs> yeah oh god like when you got your hands on some porn oh wow what a special day <laughs> and I, I was gonna say you know it used to be it used to be back in the day that like you'd hear like someone on the bus be like chick can't get pregnant the first time you'd be like oh really <laughs> and and now like you can go on and some like fascist on reddit i'll tell you the same thing and everyone will chime in yeah 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 for sure so i uh i have i'm not a parent but i have some perspective on the well yeah the you other. turned 25 when you were eight so <laughs> yeah when <laughs> in case anyone does know i started puberty so long ago i literally cannot remember a time like, <laughs> like it was at latest fourth grade. You, I fir- say you first noticed you had pubes in the ball pit at Chuck E. Cheese. I, <laughs> I mean, like, not to get too too graphic, but it was like like erections by third grade. That's the name of your biography. So, third grade erections, the Duff story. Like let's let's settle on nine. Like by okay. nine, like Boy. puberty was in place, like starting ramping up. Um, and like my parent, uh, my mother was very like progressive when it came to sex and things like that. Uh, but your your dad, man, I'm just trying to imagine him trying to have that conversation with you. Well, luckily he never did. <laughs> <laughs> so. The way he's that, still building up the courage, it could still happen. The, the way that my parents kind of dealt with this is uh, they just kind of uh, slid a book in with the Christmas presents. <laughs> yeah, you remember this? Um, and I want so this probably would have been like imagine like third it's so or fourth. passive aggressive. <laughs> it is a classic Midwestern move. Um, and it, it was a book called Where Did I Come From? Okay. Okay. Um, and it's and it's like it's weird because like the book is it's like a children's book. Um, 
So, yeah, like, and really, that was about it. <laughs> like, it was just like, here's a book, you're on your own. And that um, book, to be fair, is for kids that were around your age or younger. Yeah, it's for, like, yeah. eight or nine-year-olds. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But I think the diff, like, you know, I don't know if they actually thought the people reading the book would be going through puberty. Like, they probably thought it's like, oh, this is for kids who are just starting to learn about sex and they'll learn about puberty in, like, five years. <laughs> yeah, that's true. It probably is, yeah, it's probably more of, like, <laughs> you know, so they have some idea of what's happening to, like, their older siblings. <laughs> um, But I know for, I do know that by fourth grade was when I went to the pediatrician and he made me afraid of te- testicle torsion for the rest of my life, which Boy. is, uh, I guess if you like grow <laughs> grow super fast like I was like like I guess when your balls drop they might just twist around each other and kill each other. <laughs> it, it, I wish I wish that conver- I wish there was a, a deleted scene in Boys in the Hood of Furious telling telling oh. Trey about testicular torsion. How, how are your nuts? Are they aren't all twisted up? Are they? <laughs> Yeah, no, that's a perfect segue. Like, he casts his line out, the line gets all tangled. Boy, yeah. it's frustrating when your fishing line gets tangled, but not as frustrating as when your balls get all tangled up. Or would you... Right? How are your balls? So you, so what you're saying, Duff, is like, you wouldn't have minded just getting the furious treatment. Cast your line out there and have them give, just give it to you straight. I would have liked some straight talk. Uh, yeah, I mean, I think... Um, I, I think the thing is, is what our stuff nice stories have proven uh, and what we say about Furious is like it's not it's way more awkward for the parent, which means it's on them to get over that awkwardness and have the conversation. You know, as Furious as a character, the, the things he does is is one, as we talked about, he's incredibly honest to his kid, mm-hmm. but he's also incredibly stern too. like it's not just like, you know, Trey can't get away with anything he wants. Like it's clear this is Furious's house, yeah. and uh, you follow the rules that I set for you. And uh, and I, yeah, he's he's a great dad. So so related to Furious, uh, I think this is a question Duff put on here, and it's a good question. Um, do you guys have any tales of responsibilities of like times your dad specifically or your mom, I suppose, uh, kind of made you do work or chores that you didn't want to that you know? ends up building character for you you know the key is to get them so used to it that they don't remember um and for me like one thing that kind of like blew my mind when i got to like college is just like how many dudes didn't know how to do laundry and because i had done my laundry forever like it was just like yeah it's your clothes so you do the laundry like i like so it's just like that was like one example yeah. of you know like i i can't again like i can't remember a time when my mom did my laundry or my dad did my laundry it was just like it's like yep you got dirty clothes you better clean them <laughs> i i think like when i read this i i thought about you know some chores i would have to do and, and at the time i hated hated them kind of mostly like i i would have to mow the lawn a lot and I would always be like, I don't want to do that. And then while I <laughs> while I was doing it, the, while I, I was doing it. I you're like Paul Rudd in, uh, yeah. in what, Hot <laughs> American sure, Summer. I'm, I'm sure I was sometimes. But then while I was doing it, like while I was actually, you know, like pushing the lawnmower around, I, I didn't really 
mind it that much. And that was probably my most, like, the chore I probably did the most often. What I what I wish and, and what I do, I, I do wish I could have done more, and I don't mean this as a criticism of my mom or my dad. Like, my dad, I mean, I would sometimes go weeks without seeing him. He's always working. It's just, like, I think that I wish I would have had more, quote, unquote, not, not necessarily chores, but, like, projects that I did because I didn't really – ever get to do that growing up like fixing things or or building things and stuff like that and i think that being exposed to the satisfaction of you know doing completing a task like painting a room maybe or you know doing some woodworking or something and being like hey we worked all afternoon and now this thing in our house is fixed or this thing in our house looks better or works better is improved and i think being exposed to that when you're a kid probably is a really powerful thing but i don't know that i ever did the only like project i can remember and this is just like classic something that would happen to me is when we remodeled the house that i grew up in um i helped my mom i believe um do the insulation like to insulate all the walls that's not fun and i worked really hard and felt good about it the whole thing right here's the thing i learned i am uh, my skin is incredibly allergic <laughs> yeah, to fiberglass, man. so I got hives for two weeks afterwards. Oh, my God. <laughs> That's really common. Oh. Yeah. Uh, the, uh, but, yeah, I mean, it's it's the other thing I think that's important on this. My dad was very skilled at, like, all sorts of, like, mechanical and, you know, around-the-house stuff, and I never uh, learned d- a d- lot. Dare I say it? He was what? handy. No, no, okay. <laughs> I good. hope that. That's I'm sorry. Good. I hope that did You don't need mean. to feel bad about that. Uh, I mean, from our list, is my dad was missing a hand. So there you go. I uh, mean, the dude had a bar named Nubs Pub. Yeah, yeah. that's yeah. true. <laughs> yeah, he obviously had a sense of humor about it. But I, I, as an adult, I've kind of been a bit frustrated that like I don't know these things that he knew. And I was yeah. talking to a friend about it, and he actually brought up a good point where he's like, "Yeah, just because your dad's good at something." doesn't mean they're a good teacher of things. And I was like, oh, that's a really good point. Those are two different skill sets. Yeah, because you have to both know how to do it and also be patient enough to teach someone else how to do it. And uh, I can tell you, I know a guy that didn't have that patience. (laughs) Also, like, to be fair, I doubt we were easy teenagers to deal with. (laughs) So, all right. So we mentioned Furious being a great dad. Uh, There aren't... I'm Many racking my brain. <laughs> I cannot. Yeah, so I, I put this question on here. Who are your top three movie dads? And I was like, listen, I'm, put, I, I'm not going to use the internet. I'm going to I'd be in the car a long time today. I, I'm, I'm going to just, from the heart, from memory, I'm going to come up with my top three movie dads. And folks, uh, Hollywood has not given us a lot of great dads. No, no. Here, because here's, a few things. Here's how I had, like, when the Terminator pops up as a viable option, it's like, well, that's a father figure in Terminator 2. Yeah, yeah, yeah. and, and specifically, I'm talking about uh, him in Terminator 2. Uh. Yeah. Like, when, <laughs> yeah. when I have to, like, stoop to that level off the top of my head, yeah. So it's like, yeah, it's like, uh, it's like uh, the, um, the Kill a Mockingbird. Um, God, wow. Atticus Finch. Atticus yeah, Finch. I was I was gonna say like that. I thought of that. I'm like that oh, was the first a- thing I thought of. I'm like I'm not gonna answer that. I could do better than that. And uh, I don't know that I can. But that's 
that's the right answer, though. I mean, that that's why that character lives on. Because so he's much. the only. Him and Furious are the only good dads in movie history. And also, like, they're dads that we see interact with kids, which is often rare. It's, like, pretty rare, too. That, you know, that, like, there's a father, and we actually, like, see him interact with kids when they're kids, versus, like, you know, the other example I kind of thought of, but I don't think actually maybe works, is Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade, but that's, like, two adult men doing yeah. yeah. So, so what, you know, what I, I realized is that when you have movies centered on fathers, they're always about fathers trying to become better fathers. Mm-hmm. Like it's, or it's, it's never a movie. father characters. Like they're, 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 they're uh, not even the real fathers, but they end up taking that role on. Yeah. So if you, if you extended this to like the top three father figures, now it's probably fairly easy to do, but actual like top three movie dads, it, it really kind of like mess with me. Like, did this is this is this breaking? Is is Hollywood to blame? Even when you think about you know, think about family movies, or I start thinking, I'm like, okay, Home Alone. Nope, he's kind of a mean dad. Um, you know, Ferris Bueller. He's kind of like a clueless dad. Like, like even in like family movies, the dad is usually presented as like just kind of a dopey at best, like a dopey distant figure. Yeah, dopey or or absent. Yeah. Like, okay, um, uh, so another maybe, like, uh, another example, and this one I don't necessarily would say is a bad dad, but I'm thinking of A Christmas Story, where he's actually, like, not that bad of a dad, but still is presented as, He's like, gruff. Gruff, yeah. Um, the, the one I actually thought of that's legit is, have you guys seen Eighth Grade? No. Yeah, that's Mark, okay. The dad, Mark, is a legitimately good father. Yeah. Other one I have listed, and it's kind of, once again, it, it fits Joe's point where it's kind of not a great dad at first, but figures it out, is Finding Nemo. Mm. Yeah. Loses his kid, so. He loses his kid <laughs> and he's overprotective, but he does swim across the world but to get him we, back. I, yeah. I will say he, he is involved, too involved. So this is what yes. I thought was so funny. Uh, rolling. So after uh, I gave up, I was like, I, there must be a bunch of great dads, and I'm just forgetting them. So I Googled, like, best movie dads, and Rolling Stone has, a, has an article. I don't know if you guys looked at this. The 20 uh, best and worst it. movie fathers. I'm going to list off. This is oh, the, I did see this. This is the best Rolling Stone could come up with, okay? <laughs> let's, let's just riff on the, the dad quality presented here. This is Rolling Stone magazine. Here's the best dads they could come up with. Number one, Chinatown. Mis- number one. Well, uh, oh, <laughs> God. I'm not going to list off the worst ones. Uh, that I think that was listed as a bad one. So, number one, um, Mrs. Doubtfire. Jesus Christ. Yeah. Come on. Listen. This Okay, first of all, if that dad would be in jail. I mean, he has... He, he gets in trouble. A divorce occurs because... For his kid's party, he brings zoo animals and let them go wild in the house. <laughs> he, he quits his high, his probably lucrative voiceover job because he's a big, you know, he, like, doesn't agree he's, with the jokes in it or something. Because uh, because his character smokes. He you know? lies to his entire family and, uh, and dresses up as a woman and invents a character. <laughs> For months. Um, so and, that- and, and, and honestly, like, the, like, that is a lifetime of therapy 
if that actually happened to you. So that's that's number one, huh? Yep. So there's the first one mentioned. Here's the next one. Uh, you guys mentioned this already. Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade. Oh, the distant yep. father uh, who created a son who desperately seeks his approval uh, his entire life. Yeah, great, great work there. Yep. Uh, then we've got... Uh, the Dad from Juno. I haven't seen that movie, but I have heard. I have, but I don't J.K. remember. Sim- J.K. Simmons is the dad. Uh, now, here's another one I haven't seen, and we did we did put this on our, our short list of ones to talk about. Bo- the Dad, Ethan Hawke, and Boyhood. And, oh. You know, I know I saw Boyhood. Like, I guess it's just that the bar is so low. Like, yeah. I don't think of him as being a great dad in that. He's, he's a good Yeah, isn't dad. the whole point of it is that he's just, like, a regular average dude? Yeah, yeah, like, yeah. Uh, he's a he's a he's a dad that exists and is there, which is a lot in movies yeah. now. Here, here's another one I put on on our list: H.I. Uh, uh, McDonough in Raising Arizona. Now, I think this would actually be an interesting conversation and potentially a debate about the degree to which he's a good dad. I think he's a pretty good dad, and I think he that movie explores some some dadhood psychological issues that are fairly universal but anyway i mean he takes he kidnaps a baby yeah but i mean they had more than their share (laughs) (laughs) i mean i love raising arizona but uh that that's not really that's not really him as a dad taken um, I mean, we don't see him. All we see him do is, like, we don't. I don't think we even ever watch him interact with his daughter, except when she calls him and gets taken. Yep. So, and, and then it's just him killing people. Yeah, so, one of the best cinema has to offer is a daughter gets kidnapped, and the dad's like, "Well, I'm gonna get her back." Well, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's it, bad dads are everywhere in cinema, and there's not many good ones. Finding Nemo is the next one, so there you go, Rob. Okay. Then uh, Atticus Finch is the next one. Atticus Finch, not not up to par with Mrs. Doubtfire. <laughs> I did I did think about saying Jaws. I think uh, Brody is a pretty decent dad. Yeah. Oh, that's a good one. Um. Then yeah. Then Furious. We don't see him dadding much, but what we do see is is good. Yeah. He, then we have Furious and Boys in the Hood, uh, which and, is. And then we no. here's here's one that I actually thought of off the top of my head, and I was like, well, if I really want to embrace debate, I could go with this one. And then ultimately, I decided like this is too hacky. Uh, Vito Corleone. Turned off noise. I mean, it's just he, like I, I, I my, ultimately I was in the car and I was like, we're better than this. And I don't want to dignify that. <laughs> I will say that that is a very Rolling Stone move to put that on there, though. Yeah. In in defense, I would think that he wanting to keep Michael out of it and his genuine pain when Michael sort of enters that world like is reflects genuine love of a father it, to a son and and it, it it is moving, but like also, come on. It was come nice on. how he adopted uh Tom Hagen. Yeah. But on the other hand, uh Sonny and Fredo are not they're not in the wind column Well, and it's not like we see a lot of touching moments with Vito and Connie the daughter yeah, <laughs> um, uh, yeah that's, a, that's a good point too yeah. 
Forgot, but, forgotten daughter. So yeah, did you guys think of any other good movie deaths? So you guys mentioned that I can't remember his name and Finding Nemo. I only saw that movie once. Uh, Marlin, whatever it is. I think. Then Marlin then Bro- sounds right. Then Brody uh, and Jaws. Did you guys come da- up with anything? The dad, else? Uh, Rob uh, Costner alert. Uh, the dad in Field of Dreams is a pretty good dad. Yeah. The only the only like original one I came up with, um, as I said, is eighth grade. Where I was like, oh, that's a, that was a good example of a good dad. Yeah. And then there's ones that, like, when I was looking, said the same thing, which I was like, mm, I don't know, which is, like, uh, um, in Little Women. Yeah. Um, uh, which I'm... is like, well, he comes back from war and they're happy. <laughs> like, I don't know if that makes him a great dad. We don't see, <laughs> we don't, we don't see a lot of interact. Like, his, his the positive dad score comes from not dying in the war. That's yeah. He comes home, uh, which yeah. is great. That's but just, that's, that's, <laughs> that's just people fawning over Bob Odenkirk, which I get. Yeah. It's, it, 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 yeah. We need more good dads. We need it. We have a dad deficit, a dad deficit. Yeah. You know, you know where the good dads went? They went to TV. Yeah. There's mm. more good bit dads in the TV world. Cause I, you know, just, I came up with, you know, off the top of my head, like, uh, Hank Hill, good yeah. dad. That boy ain't right. Uh, <laughs> you know, um, this t- time has tarnished it, but uh, Cliff Huxtable. <laughs> <laughs> yep, yeah, time has tarnished that one. But uh, taken on its own, like, if you didn't know anything about anyone and you just watched the show, Cliff Huxtable is a good dad. Um, Winslow and Family Matters? Carl, yeah, Carl Winslow. Carl Winslow. See, yeah. see, look at the point is like, look how easy we're coming up with TV dads, and yeah. how much we had to rack our brain for movie dads. That's a great point. Well, I, I the good news is I think next week I, I got one, and I oh. had to cheat to do this. That's okay. fine. Um, and and this is a movie I really love, and the, the, and it's my one of my favorite books. The Dad in the Road's a pretty great dad. <laughs> <laughs> he he is he's he's very involved and protective he is. <laughs> yes. i mean um man does a good job with boy well yep. he does <laughs> i mean like no, in, in like extraordinarily <laughs> difficult circumstances it, it, he's oh he, what about what about quiet place i've never saw it yeah okay that's a good dad yeah that's a good dad how okay uh, um, how about the dad in american pie uh eugene levy's character Actually, Man. he's probably the only person in those movies who isn't awful. <laughs> I'm going to leave you guys with... We're going really long, so I'm going to leave you guys with one more, and then okay. we should probably wrap it up. And this, okay. I'm, I'm leaving you with one more because it's from Midnight Boys Past. Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. So we have talked about this dad before. Okay. Cameron Poe from Con Air. Oh. Ooh. Well, okay. <laughs> he writes letters. <laughs> He, his love for his kid is undeniable. All right. So what are we doing uh, next week, Rob? Are next we- week, um, we are doing the Mitchells versus the Machines. Yeah. So, so- I, I picked this one. Your kid's going to move out. Mm-hmm. Are you going to be able to handle that? When they don't yes. need you. When they don't need you. <laughs> I also am going to say yes. <laughs> but that's the that's the crux of this movie. Listeners, we are uh, – by the time this comes out, we might have two – potentially two up but we for sure have a patreon on the movie clifford yes um which we did not bring up richard kind as a great dad in clifford because he's (laughs) not um and uh we'll probably have a patreon on something else we'll see what it ends up being and uh yeah next week the mitchells versus machines cartoons